This is a Main Hustle Media Podcast. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back, listening to Militantly Mixed. Hi, and welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine. And this is a part two from last week's episode with Marilyn. So I don't really have to do too much of an intro for the episode, but I do have to make a correction from last week. When we had our discussion, uh, Marilyn had explained a concept that they have in Canada called the mixed salad versus the U.S. melting pot. And I I had misheard her. I, I kept hearing the word salad. I didn't even think that it was any other word. So I, even though she used the salad as an example, I, I didn't make the connection. So I actually named the episode The Mixed Solid. She corrected me uh, after it aired. So I went back in and fixed it with our, our host, but it hasn't seemed to update on iTunes yet. I'm not sure if it's updated on the other uh, podcast platforms, but I'll go ahead and check that. So I just want to make that correction. The episode is actually called A Mixed Salad versus The Melting Pot. And the concept that she is speaking about is The Mixed Salad. And it's just the, for me, I guess it was not having the ear for the Canadian pronunciation or, or me thinking maybe I have an understanding of different dialects and sometimes I just don't, especially if it doesn't come from my own mixedness. So I want to make sure that I got that correction up in there and um, it is corrected on all of our social media and everything like that. It's just the iTunes was the last thing that I saw that didn't have that update and I don't typically check the other platforms, but I should go and do that. So if you see that, that's what that is. Um, but this is the extension of that episode. By the time we were about to wrap up our hour, uh, hour of discussion, she wanted to keep going. I wanted to keep going. So we get into um, some heavier things in the second portion of our discussion, which is about 40 minutes or so. So we kept going. We went on for a little while um, and it was fun. She's a, she's a great guest to talk to and a lot of interesting perspectives from the mixed side that is different than my own perspective. So it's always nice when someone comes from something that's different from me because I learned so much about just how diverse and nuanced we are as mixed people. And it's awesome. So that is that I want to make that correction. I These last couple of weeks have been a little bit bumpy uh, just in terms of Charmaine experience. Uh, I, uh, If you've been listening to the show for a while, then you know that um, I've been doing this basically for, full time for the last few months. And um, I've been uh, officially unemployed. I've done some freelance work, but I've been officially unemployed for about 15 months. And it's been kind of a difficult time for me personally. It's uh, something that derailed my career a while back and can't really talk about it. So I won't really go into it, but there's been some time that I've had off. It's been kind of difficult for me to find work because of that. And um, and then also I became 40. I'm also a woman of color. I have a pretty impressive like resume and background, but for whatever reason, it was kind of difficult this time around for me to look for work. I never had an experience quite like this. And it played into my depression and my anxiety um, quite heavily. So it's been a pretty rough year and a half for me, but I did find a job. Uh, I have a new position, an awesome position that I started last week. But because of that, and because I've been out of work for 15 months, I am not used to being 
staying awake during the daytime. I'm usually editing until three, four, five o'clock in the morning. And so I had basically adjusted my schedule to that. Um, going to bed two or three o'clock at night, sometimes five o'clock in the morning, sometimes and waking up around 11 or 12. So I've spent the last two weeks trying to adjust my sleep schedule so that I'd be prepared for this new job. I, I am gotten better. I'm definitely awake during the day, um, but I'm still not fully adjusted. So I, um, I just am asking my audience to bear with me for the next couple of weeks as I sort of smooth out my both uh, combining my new work schedule with my uh, recording and editing schedule. So I don't feel like the last couple of weeks have been very representative of my normal level of skills in terms of producing these shows. I don't think they've lacked that much, but I do think that's not my peak performance. And so I do need a little bit of time to kind of adjust to this new part of my life and, or new chapter in my life. And then we'll get back to the better caliber or hopefully higher caliber work that I think I normally do for the shows. But this one is, uh, that's no reflection of the actual guests that I've, I've spoken to because most of these have been recorded prior, uh, weeks prior to me actually putting the episodes out. It's just really my intros and the, the quality of the editing and stuff like that that has been affected. But I'm getting there. I'm starting to adjust a little bit better. And uh, even though I did have to take on a day job for to ke- help pay my bills and keep the podcast going, the, I still consider that my side hustle. And the podcasting, the main hustle media, Black Radical Queer, Militantly Mix, and Militantly Mix of Black as Fuck editions are my main hustle. So like I said, just bear with me for a couple weeks while I sort of regulate and get used to this new um, schedule that I have. And then you'll start to see uh, the old Charmaine back um on these shows. I do have a couple of announcements that will affect Militantly Mixed but aren't directly about Militantly Mixed. On Tuesdays, I normally release Militantly Mixed, a Black as Fuck edition with my boy Blurred Vision, my childhood friend. We we talk about blackness from the mixed black perspective on that show. And lately, it has been mostly primarily dedicated to the, the news of what's going on in our current climate as it relates to blackness. And it's almost always depressing or sad. Someone's dead or, or being harassed or abused or in jail and things like that. And it was starting to really bog me down. Um, Um, because I focus so heavily on race throughout my shows, I didn't really have a release, a a non-race related release. And um, I feel like you could tell that I was kind of, the air was out of my balloon, basically. Um, The last few weeks, it's gotten tougher and tougher, especially through the Kavanaugh stuff and and, um, Botham Jean really affected me pretty uh, deeply and uh, a couple incidents that had happened in real life, um, or I'm sorry, in real life, in my direct life, my, my, my meat space. And it's been kind of tough. And so when Blurred Vision and I did the Venom review episode, and we got to talk about geeky shit. It, I got lighter and it made me, it made me pretty happy. Also being on Why So Serious and Mocha Minutes and Single Simulcast the last couple of weeks or a couple of weeks ago and getting to just talk about random things, uh, gave me some lightness as well. And so Blurred Vision and I got to talking and we chatted about possibly incorporating that geek stuff that we normally talk about in our friendship into our show. So we're going to be transitioning militantly mixed the black as fuck edition into a blurred comics M-I-X and uh, and we're going to so we're still going to talk about blackness and mixed blackness and everything like that but we'll also come at it from our geeky and comic book love and stuff like that. We'll talk about news as well but we'll we'll try to end the, the episodes on those things that are more uh, geeky oriented and stuff um, just to try to keep 
our own lives a little bit lighter. We love talking every week and that thing's not going to slow down. It was it was just the heaviness, like incorporating too much of the heaviness in, in my day to day. So in um, his too, you know, we'd, we'd, it would be good to talk about these things kind of therapeutic, but then we'd be kind of angry and upset for the rest of the day and it was hard to like move on. But the last couple of times where we've just talked about geeky shit, things have been more level. We return to our families being, you know, a little bit lighter and stuff like that. So that's what's going to happen. You'll see that come over the next couple of weeks. But how that will impact Militantly Mix is that we are now going to start releasing Militantly Mix effective in uh, the first week of November, the first full week of November. We're going to switch Militantly Mix over to Tuesdays and Blurred Comics will air on Thursdays. Still same. You won't have to change anything if you subscribe already. It'll just load and you'll see it happen. You'll see us on uh, our social media as well. It'll just come on Tuesdays uh, starting not next week, but the week after and Blurred Comics will will load on Thursdays. So that is the only real change that's happening to Militantly Mix. And it's only because um, because we record, Blurred Vision I record on Tuesdays, usually we need, um, usually it's a whole week until our episodes air and a lot of stuff has passed by the time that week has happened. So this will help us be more current in terms of that sort of uh, topical stuff. And since Militantly Mix is more about the mixed race experience directly as it relates to my guests, it doesn't necessarily have to hit on a certain day. So we're going to go ahead and switch that to Tuesday. I think that's a about it. I am cutting it down pretty close to the wire. This episode has to be up in a couple hours, so I gotta finish up this intro and editing and everything like that and get it ready for y'all. But before I do that, don't forget, Militantly Mix is a fan-sponsored podcast, and with your support, it'll help us keep going and growing. As of right now, our current sponsorship does allow us to cover our hosting fees for Militantly Mix, which is amazing and such a stress relief given, you know, my recent employment situation, so it's awesome. And as we continue to grow with more sponsorship, new things will happen. Our quality will improve. I'll be able to hire an engineer. And so that we get um, a higher echelon or how a quality of editing, uh, that's a big goal for me. Um, I'd like to also soundproof my area a little bit better so that you can get a better quality of episode as well. So if we get some more sponsorship, that's the kind of stuff that we'll do with that. And then we will you know, give you a more high caliber product. That's that's what we're hoping to do over time. Even if it takes us a few years to get there, we're going to get there. Um, I'm not slowing down on this at all. Military Mix itself gives me life and has basically brought me back from a really dark patch of major depression in my life. So I won't be slowing down. I just need your help to keep us going. That's about it. If you do want to sponsor us on Patreon, you can sponsor us as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. We do have different reward levels that go up to, I think, $25 or $50. I am going to add some new swag soon. I'm, I'm testing out a couple things that are going to be delivered in a, um, the next week or so that if I like it, then I'm going to incorporate it into our sponsorship packages. So you can go to patreon.com slash mix if you wish to do that. And if you just want to hit us with a one-time donation and you don't want to do the monthly, that's totally fine too. Anything helps. Again, from as low as a dollar to as high as anything you wish. So yes, two avenues, patreon.com slash mix and paypal.me slash mix. And it really does help. I can't tell you no Knowing that we can cover the hosting has been such a huge relief um, for me over this last month. And um, and going forward, I just know that at least I don't have to slow down where Militantly Mix is concerned. So I'm super happy about it. And I'm very appreciative to our current sponsors. And 
I will be super appreciative to our future sponsors as well. Okay, so I think that's it. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump over to the second part of my interview with Marilyn. And don't forget to follow us on our social media, Twitter and Instagram at Militantly Mix on Facebook.com slash Militantly Mix. And you can email me directly at Charmaine, S as in Sam, H-A-R, M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, E at MilitantlyMix.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail on, on our Skype number at 323-545-6001. If you have a mixed story you want to tell, if you want to be considered to come on the show, if you want to talk about anything related to any of the other shows that we have on the Main Hustle Media Network, including our future um, podcast, The First Time I Ever, which is going to be a podcast about your first experiences doing anything, flying a plane, crashing your car for the first time, uh, vandalizing when you're a teenager, uh, first time you got a pet, anything that you have that is a, a first experience that you'd like to talk about, you can either leave us a voicemail or um, hit me up through uh, our various social media channels and we'll get you on the show. And that's coming hopefully in December if I get enough uh, stories to put together a couple episodes. So I think that's about it. That's a pretty good one. I'm looking forward to finishing out this uh, part two of this uh, discussion with uh, Marilyn. And then we'll come back next week. Hopefully we sound a little bit more normal or I, we, the royal we, Charmaine, um, sounds a little bit more normal as I've adjusted to my new schedule. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Okay, good. Um, so yeah, I started this, um, this whole like sort of vein of uh, discussion because I make it like a, I got into the whole like mixed salad versus melting pot thing talking about that because I was going to say that I make it a point whenever like black people, especially when they, whenever they ask me like what I'm mixed with Mm -hmm. and then I tell them and they say, Oh, that's such a good mix. But I have like, I have like personally like an (laughs) issue with that because what, what's a bad mix? What does it even mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? So I make it, I make it a joke like, Oh, I don't know if it's a good one. It's a pretty like, um, ironic one based on their histories, you know, France and Haiti is like, you know, like, right. So I'm like, "Eh, I don't know you know, I guess my, both my parents decided to just like defy their ancestors and stuff, you know, and just like do whatever. Um, it's pretty ironic. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of like a cultural, a cultural Romeo and Juliet situation, right? (laughs) Pretty much. Even, even, um, on my dad's side with my grandma being Algerian and my grandpa being, you know, from France, that's also a pretty like, you know, Algeria and France, you know, colonialism, they don't have colonialism. Yeah. yeah. And like, even after France, um, was out of Algeria, I think they made it like a point to just like not have French be a language anymore, even though like it's, it's probably still really, really used there, but it probably enacted a lot of like oh, laws to like to get take it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember my dad telling me that. So I was like, yeah, my, my whole family is just like, it's just like a bunch of like irony based on the history between the countries. But isn't that um, weird though? Like, I think a lot of us mixed people have this because like in my case I'm literally both allied and Axis powers in terms of World War II like I yeah, had a family member yeah, that yeah. fought in Japan I had um, you know British I had a, a, a British great uncle that died you know like uh, my family mm-hmm. is both that not to mention that I'm black and you know and British colonialism is 
pervasive throughout mm. the world, but like my my black grandfather married a white British woman. You know, like across the board, there's something where you can connect and be like, why? <laughs> you know, why did you guys fix? <laughs> <laughs> why did you guys do that? Um, yeah, um, and now I'm just thinking about this this documentary I watched about about like black people like coming like like uh, like a, just a huge bunch of black people showing up in England after the war is because you know they were technically British subjects they just wanted to show up and you know kind of live the kind of life they'd been working so hard for and never got to so a taste protect, of but right. um, but I remember reading some uh, watching this documentary like in in college a while back where all because of like all the treatment that like Caribbean like black people got when they were in Britain like men especially like there was like a just like a huge amount of them that would like make like efforts to actually just date British women as sort of like oh you guys That's fucked us over let's just you know fuck your women and just do that so, um so yeah I, I I just thought of that and thought that was pretty funny but um do you remember the name of that documentary um I do not but I could probably try and find it um <laughs> I probably still have you know I'm a bit of a hoarder I keep a lot of things so I probably still have my syllabus for that class somewhere is that so I am too um, and I, I, I credit it to the, my Japanese side because we keep everything mm-hmm. like in a weird way where it's both sentimental and not sentimental. It's just important not to let anybody else have it. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um, but for like for me, the the hoarder thing is kind of a, a Japanese thing. I wonder if that is other cultures do things like that. Um, I don't I don't know. Like um, for for like my Haitian side, it's more like they um, they they like to buy like nice like quote unquote nice because tastes are different. They like to buy like nice looking things. Um, and I don't know if this is a thing for like Japanese people too. But like there's like a living room that I'm not allowed to go in in my parents' house. Yeah, and like the couches are covered in like this plastic. plastic. And no one can like sit there um but but me i just i just get like very attached to things um like oh i had this notebook in grade 10 and i was so happy then let me just keep that to remind myself how happy i was when i was yeah i'm exactly like that there's a lot of things where my husband isn't like that and he'll be just like throw it away you don't use it anymore and i'm like but it's mine like it's i don't know also if maybe too because i i also grew up on welfare here in the states and so there's this thing that i i it doesn't happen often but every now and then there's something where it's like because I grew up with that level of poverty and that hardship if I have something it's mine you know like mm-hmm. and I need yeah. to be able to keep it um so I do actually struggle because of things like that but yeah we so in in my house because we didn't have the extra room we didn't we didn't have that but we were mm-hmm. those types of people for sure so there mm-hmm. was definitely like things that you weren't allowed actually my British grandmother did have that there were some things that were in plastic that you weren't allowed to, to touch or it would it would only be available if guests came Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that, that was okay. Um, but, you know, there's things like, you know, we take Japanese side, we take our shoes off when we go into our house and things like that. And, okay. And other houses. Okay. Yeah. We do that too. Is that not, not universal? I don't. It's not universal. So it's not, it's certainly not Caucasian, at least in terms of like the Caucasians that are here in the States. But um, like for Japanese, there's actual, it's a part of the tradition because you are being disrespectful to a home Mm -hmm. if you wear your shoes in the home. So as a sign of respect to like sort of honor the home that you live in and respect that, you know, this space is yours and your family's, you take your shoes off on the outside and then you wear like what my family calls shower shoes, but it's really Mm -hmm. either like flip flops or like house slippers. Um, Mm -hmm. You could put those on in the house. But they can never cross outside. So, like, if you're wearing flip flops and those are your own, your in home flip flops, you can't go into the backyard with them. You'd have to take them off at that door and then go mm, in and get okay. shoes for there. So, in okay. in terms of Japanese ness, that is how we do the shoe thing. Other Asian cultures also do the shoe thing. Like, you don't wear shoes in your house, um, whether or not 
I don't know whether or not it's the same level of like because you're respect respecting your home as a different plane. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but I have known other people, other people of color that are from other places where they have that as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really sometimes it's been just because the carpet is new and no one wants to mess up the carpet. <laughs> uh, but yeah. mostly like in my case, it's always been a cultural thing. So okay. I'm married to someone who isn't like that and having to deal like in the early stages of living together, having to deal with him walking around the house with shoes and me kind of falling apart from it. Like <laughs> now I understand, like I take my shoes off and he doesn't necessarily do it. Um, and then I tried to get him to where he would wear, you know, like shower shoes, like we call it shower shoes and he would kind of do it and then he wouldn't do it. And uh, to see his, even his socked feet on the carpet without shower shoes, like at first was really hard for me to deal with. And so <laughs> there's like some of those things have been broken down <laughs> over time. And, 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 but I still like, it's not broken down so much that I don't do it when I go to other people's houses. So I do ask if I go into people's house, like, do I take my shoes off here? Because I want to. Yeah. Like, I'm inclined yeah. to. Um, yeah, I do that, too. But if they're the kind of people that are like, no, 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 it's OK, then I'll just like, OK. But inevitably, at some point, I will end up taking my shoes. Off. Like, I'll try to walk around. And then it, like it happened recently at a at a cookout. I went to a friend's house and I'd never asked. I just like walked around like everybody had shoes on. So I kept shoes. And then after a while, I was like, no, I can't do this. And so I went back to the front door <laughs> and I took my shoes off. And yeah, so like it's just one of those things like you can't you can't help but yeah no caucasian people here in the states at least i can't speak for other places they they're not like that they don't take their shoes off okay um yeah for me like for me in my house we like always take our shoes off like always like when you come into the house you you take them off like there's no like there's no like walking around the house with your shoes on like I don't I don't know but I have I have been to people's places before like Caucasian and they do they had like you know like a little like shoe rack near the door so you know but then there have also been places where it's like I take my shoes off they're like oh you can keep those on and I'm like okay but is that I don't know if this is a Caribbean thing but you know I me and my friend um she's um she her parents are from Trinidad so we we joke about stuff like that where we were like we were watching TV and you know someone someone came from the outside and then sits on the bed with like their outside clothes on yeah, that too. <laughs> um, and uh, you know it's like it's like you were like out in public with these clothes you sat in like public benches with these clothes now you're in your bed with these clothes like it's so dirty you're just like bringing all of these germs into like your private space you know but so yeah I don't know where that comes from either I, but I have that that could possibly be from the black and the Japanese side but I have that too. And it's again, it's another one of those things that my husband's culture has basically forced me to have to adjust to it. Um, I don't like to sit on the bed with, especially like outdoor clothes. I hate, but your shoes. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. You have your shoes on. Um, But like here, there's people who have like a studio apartments or one bedroom apartments where like the bedroom is their main space. And, and they're like, yeah, just sit on the bed. And I'm just like, you know how insane that sounds to a person like me? Like, I don't know how to explain it to people who are just that comfortable um, but also there's <laughs> there's something that one of the comedians from the same thing that I went to last night was talking about like how you know if a partner is right for you is is their love one of the one of the many things he listed was hygiene and mm-hmm. so he tells a story about how him and his girlfriend were in Hawaii on a vacation and they spent all day at the beach from sun up to sundown and then they were going to go to this club thing or whatever afterwards and so he goes he, they go back to the hotel and he goes into the shower and he comes back and out of, after he finishes the shower 
or she's dressed. And he was like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> we just spent all day outside. <laughs> like, why are you, why do you think you can transition from day to night without taking a shower? Like, you better, <laughs> you better not um, do that. And he's like, if you, if your, if your partner doesn't take a minimum of two showers a day or at least a shower between events, no. <laughs> not right for you. And it just made me laugh because there were so many of these things that, that I do that I never even connected to my culture. It was just like mm-hmm. what we did. And my husband has pretty much like uh, <laughs> ruined <laughs> some of those things because he, he doesn't do those things. And it's another the things like which is difficult. I talk about in another upcoming episode, I think. Or no, I talk about in an episode of a different show where it's like it was really hard for me to adjust to I just so happened to fall in love with a partner that was white or that was raised white. Mm -hmm. You know, he was, he is half Arabic, but he didn't, he wasn't exposed to Arabic culture. So he's essentially half white even, or white, even though he looks mixed. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all the weird things that their culture just allows them to just be, I don't have any of those comforts. Like I can't walk (laughs) into a space and just be comfortable. You know, like I need to take off my shoes. I need to, you know, know where I'm allowed to sit. I need to, you know, put my dishes, clean my dishes before I put them in the dishwasher, you know, like a bunch of different things that he doesn't do. Oh, like washcloths. You wash your body with washcloths, but he doesn't do that. Like there's all these things that um, (laughs) in terms of like stereotypes, we are just a household of combating stereotypes at all times. That's so funny. (laughs) And and it's really, it was really tough for me who's like this, I'm mixed, but I'm like pro-black mixed, you know, Mm -hmm. and everything, um, you know, I talk about my hierarchy as sort of being black and then Japanese and then Mm. Mm-hmm. Whatever, but like when his comfort in spaces makes me aware of our difference, it, it would make it really hard for me to be like, I can't believe, like, why did I fall in love with my friend when I was 22 years old? You know, because yeah. I have all these things I have to confront on a regular basis uh, <laughs> in terms of our raceness. And he's aware, you know, he's he's woke, uh, I guess, and he, he definitely tries to do things, but there's some things where he'll just turn around and be like, why do you care about that? Who cares? And I'm like, because of my culture, like my culture tells me to take my shoes off. My culture tells me to do all this stuff so that he funny. doesn't do. Uh, but going back to what you said about yeah. sort of like being the right mix. Yeah, um, the, you know, uh, oh, that's such a like, oh, that's such a good mix, you know, but what is a good mix? And I've also gotten, um, and we talked about this last time we spoke, but I've also gotten like, oh, like when you told me you were mixed, I expected, I expected your dad to be the black one. Like people are shocked that, you know, my mom is black and my dad's the, the white one. And, you know, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, um, it's like weird, you know, I, I yeah. suppose like we make a joke know. here in the States that um, where people will say, you know, I'm mixed and they're like, oh, well, are you mixed right or not? Meaning, does your is your dad the person of color? Mm-hmm. Well, at mm-hmm. least no, not even that. If you're black with something else, then your dad has to be black. That's, the, black one, that's yeah. the right mix. If you're, if it's, if you're Asian, then your you're mom. surprised if you're, if you're white is the mom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is different, but we, we call that the right way. If you're mixed with a black dad, you're mixed the right way. Yeah, and I've, I've um, you know, I've uh, made jokes about this before, but I like, you know, I say like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad that my mom's the black one because, you know, she knew how to do my hair when I was growing up. So <laughs> That's I was true. out here like these other mixed kids looking, you know, like busted up, like, you know, right. like, just, like, oh my gosh, you could always tell a mixed kid has a white mom <laughs> oh. and you just want to walk up to them and be like, honey, don't you have a black lady friend that can like help you or like go to a black hairstylist and be like, look, I'm, I'm white. My kid's 
mixed. I need your help. Teach me. Like, <laughs> learn how to take care of your mixed child's head. It's going to affect their whole life. It really, really will. I remember going to the hair salon because um, my cousin was getting her hair uh, relaxed. And I was I was younger, but I remember seeing a little girl there. A little girl there. She was maybe nine years old, 10 years old. And, and this was like a, a hair salon, like a Haitian hair salon, right? All the customers were essentially Haitian. Um, and this little girl was mixed, but she was crying because this lady was trying to comb out her hair and she was saying has no one ever combed out your hair before she's like no my mommy doesn't know how I was I just remember like at that moment feeling like so bad like oh god because I remember like you know being annoyed always having to like sit and you know um having my mom or my grandma do my hair when I was a kid but I was like oh at least at least they are doing my hair you know but this little girl was just like in pure agony and just like eight-year-old knots like knots in there since like years I don't I don't even know but yeah I had a little of that because my my mom even though my hair isn't like traditionally the mixed hair there was questions about how to take care of it at first and since then she has gone to hair school and she is a, a hairstylist that focuses on black hair mm-hmm. she, she's not my black parent um mm-hmm. but like when I was younger there was a bunch of times when like my hair was damaged just because of her lack of knowledge <laughs> <laughs> or assumptions in her case it was legit assumptions that my hair was going to be more like my dad's yeah um, you know like she burned my hair off a couple times um but oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then too I would get these rat nests of, of tangles and stuff like that that would that and I'm super tender headed so to try yeah. to sit there and comb it out was agony um, so I, I am still very passionate about mixed hair even though I don't have the <laughs> traditional mixed hair I just I see mixed kids on the street and I could t- you know like you know in a heartbeat if their parent which parent is what and you're just like now there's a slight movement not a movement but you're starting to see videos pop up of black fathers doing their daughter's hairs yeah and, yeah, and, yeah. Like and you're just like please like everybody who whatever you're like whatever your deal is mix okay but like somebody's got to step up and advocate for that child's head <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know someone's I was gotta say. do it someone's gotta gotta, <laughs> gotta do gotta her do hair it. um okay. yeah um on the topic of like mixed mixed hair I remember um because when I was growing up my hair was just always in braids and my mom would go to like the black hair salon and get like products that's like that were like meant for like you know black hair mm-hmm. and use it on my hair my hair was just like always in braids but I could never really like wear my hair out and do like a wash and go or anything like that and I never really like liked my curls because I didn't really know what they could look like right um um but the first time I actually bought like product that was like products that were like you know made for multicultural hair I it was online it was this brand um and I had to order it online and it took like from the states and it took like a few weeks to get to my house but now um you know I go to the salon uh, not the salon like the hair care store and there's like all these products like that before when I was 17 16 I had to order online and right. I just like I look at that stuff I'm like these these mixed kids now have it so much easier than I do because right. they can just walk into the store and pick this stuff up and um all I had growing up was dark and lovely and um that's it yeah, um, that, that was the main brand back then for sure like now there's yeah. a lot of different options um and uh actually one of my other guests on episode four she her family blog she has a, a mixed family blog and it they, she deals with hair a lot because she's got three mixed race daughters so Mm-hmm. Um, she showed like review products and stuff like that on there and and you know give advice but you know with the major theme being like if your kids are mixed learn <laughs> yeah like educate yourself on how to 
because it's not like it's their job that's the other part and probably from it might get better as time goes on but like my generation I'm only I'm born only 10 years after it became legal for mm-hmm. interracial relationships to you know mar- to be married right so and here in the in the yeah. states and in, in um, there was Virginia versus loving versus Virginia which is the interracial couple who fought for the right to stay married and they had had mixed race kids mm-hmm. by that point and, and everything but but you know they were constantly being arrested for for being together in the state of Virginia and I'm only born 10 years after that and and so wow. like even though I'm mixed race beca- because uh, and my my parents are also mixed race each of them are half white and half something else mm-hmm. they you know they were essentially illegal at the time that mm-hmm. they that but they got a pass because they were a US military so there was different mm-hmm. like there was different okay. exceptions that allowed the US military guys to marry women from the other places and bring them here and like in the case of my Japanese grandmother um, which I think I've talked about before you know there was like training she had to take she was in a class with all these other foreign brides and they had to be they had to learn how to be an American bride and that that didn't really happen I don't believe that happened to my British grandmother you know she could there's also the thing that where Americans sort of idolize British so the fact that she has a a British Mm -hmm. accent you know makes her she like mesmerizes Americans by talking Um, and so it was a little bit different in their case but you know even though I have mixed race parents essentially like uh, the culture here wasn't adapted to mixed race people by the time I was born yeah. and even though I grew up around a lot of kids on military bases that that were also mixed if we ventured out into the non-military world we were very strange and the the yeah. you know, uh, people weren't caught up to how to talk to us or, or how to deal with us or, or or things like the importance of learning how to take care of your child's hair if you're if you're the parent that is not of color you know like whatever yeah uh, and yeah. and now I hope that you know there's more products now there's more education yeah, there's at least the internet so that you can learn how to do stuff you you know you hope that people start to be do this but one area that we have that I think our parents sort of failed and maybe in my case my parents parents sort of failed and it's not failure because of lack of of trying it's failure because of lack of knowledge because there weren't other mixed people really um, before is how to nurture your child's identity while they're sitting there trying to be both mom and dad's culture you know Mm -hmm. it it Mm -hmm. sounds like in your case the embracing of the Haitian side like your dad was signed up for that too because that was what appealed to him Um, in other cases you know it may not have it may not always be that way or you end up with a parent that doesn't look like you and so you're raised not having connection to you know you're brown but your parents white and you don't, you're raised without the connection to uh, the other side of your family mm. and this is the kind of stuff like this is why I feel I want to do a show like this is because we yeah. get to hear like I get to hear from you you know your experiences like and yours is very interesting because I mean you have two immigrant parents in a country that allows for the mixed solid um, versus mm-hmm. the melting pot so that's pretty yeah. interesting but at the same time you were still othered yeah you know, for constantly. Sure. And then you come, to, you have an exposure to the state. So you have a taste of like how weird we are about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, but then, you know, next week I'll end up talking to someone who, you know, may have been able to pass as something and no one mm-hmm. ever asked them and no one ever talked about them, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like, I just love that I get to have these conversations with people yeah. from all over and yeah. get exposed to this type of stuff. Yeah. It's uh, really enlightening. And I, I, I've loved lis- listening to the episodes and, 
and uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting and really, um, it feels like nice to, to see that there are other people with like similar experiences for sure. Right. Like th- this is one of the things that I think makes them, makes me feel the best is these moments of getting to feel normal. Like yeah. when you said earlier, I don't remember what it was, but I think it was a couple things you said. The plastic furniture thing was certainly one of them. <laughs> um, but there was something you said earlier and it made me bust up laughing because I, in that moment, I just thought, Oh my gosh, we do that too, you know? And yeah. It, how how little I've gotten that throughout my life, you know? Like, it's one thing if you're around, like, say it's all black people and they do... Oh, it's the chicken thing. That's what it was. Oh, you mentioned yeah, the, yeah. the non-seasoned chicken. And I just bust up laughing because <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, it's this weird thing that you're just kind of glad is kind of universal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That other mixed people get this exposure. Like, um, I just, I don't know what it is. It's, it's these moments of just like, oh, that happened to you too. That happened to me, I'm not this weird thing that it, I'm the only person this ever happened to. And as a yeah. mixed race person, I think we do fall under that belief sometimes that mm-hmm. we are the only person this stuff happens to. And to mm-hmm. be able to connect to other mixed people and to hear that the stories are somewhat similar. There's a lot of cases in which things are similar for us, especially in terms of our identity questions that we have. Um, it's just nice in that moment or in these conversations to just be able to be like, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. So, do you feel comfortable in your mixed identity now? Like uh, going back to you know how you felt as a child to what college did in terms of opening uh, up your exposure to other people of color. Do you feel like you can navigate the world now as a mixed race person and be comfortable in your skin? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel more comfortable in my mixedness. Um, But I, like you, I definitely have like this hierarchy of how I identify. Like I'm Haitian first. and then I am French and then I'm also, you know, Canadian because I was born here. Uh, you know, I spent most of my life here when I, you know, when I go to different places and people ask me where I'm from, I say I'm from Canada. Um, but, you know, the, the Haitian, the Haitian thing is something I really identify with is, you know, Haitian food is what I ate growing up. I, you know, spent most of my time with Haitian people and, you know, family members, um, who were, you know, from my mom's side. Uh, but um, also with what came with, um, you know, growing up and like learning so much more about the world and even my own culture. Because, um, you know, when I was younger, you know, I really wanted to fit in with the white kids around me. But when I was older and like really started to learn about the world and uh, about Haiti and, you know, this is stuff like I had been exposed to, but I Maybe I just didn't pay any mind, but right. I am so proud to be Haitian because like Haitian people like are badass, um, <laughs> you know, like the Haitian revolution. And a lot of people I don't know. know about it. Like We don't talk about that, but they fought back there <laughs> and took that space yeah. like that was their they space did. now. It's amazing yeah. that we don't we don't get to hear their story as uh, nearly as much as. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the Haiti, when people think of Haiti, for the most part, they think it's just this poor country. And it is, you know, it is it is a poor country. Uh, I think it's something like the, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And, you know, it's unfortunate because it started off as the richest, the richest colony or the richest, like, you know, the rich. Uh, I'm not, is it colonies? Colony, the right, right word. It was the richest. Uh, yeah, I guess it would um, be. Yeah, the richest, like, French colony. Like, France got so much money out of Haiti. It was called, like, the, the jewel of the jewel. Of the Caribbean or something like that. They they were making so much money off of you know these black slaves that were working so hard there, and they just you know the the French. 
French Revolution happened, and you know everyone talks about the French Revolution and the American Revolution, but the French Revolution happened, and these black slaves decided, you know, they're talking about freedom over there. We can definitely use these same these same like ideas that they have and just use it for our own. But no one, you know, no one talks about about it, you know, because you know you just want to erase the the fact that you know some white people got their asses kicked um, by all these you know supposedly dumb uneducated slaves. But you know they they fought you know first free black republic in the world and you know sometimes i joke around with people um like from jamaica or from you know nigeria or anywhere else like oh you know we've been free since 1804 y'all <laughs> for that shit in like 1950 something but um yeah i'm very proud to be haitian and i and i love it and i sometimes tell people um you know there would be <laughs> um uh, i don't want to sound arrogant or anything like that but there would be no people of color walking freely in the world if it weren't for haitian people we started that shit you know we you know um domino effect we were the first ones haitians well we i wasn't there but you know the haitian sure. people were the first right. ones were the first ones to do it and uh i'm very proud uh to be haitian now so um yeah um but yeah i you know i'm i'm proud of my mixedness i also sometimes i don't you know it's not because i'm not proud but i like to trick people because whenever people ask me what i am i i i try to joke around with them um because I, I don't know i'm a trickster i suppose but if they're if they're from somewhere like i've, I've done this before and recently like i remember like i'll make stuff up to people if they're from nigeria i'll tell them oh i'm nigerian too or i'm half nigerian and then i'll just keep it going for as long as i can or oh i'm yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> my mom's congolese yeah for sure um so i just like keep it going so much so that like recently i ran into this old co-worker of mine and he's from he's from uh rwanda or something and he probably heard me make the stuff up to somebody at work and this was my old job this was an old co-worker from a job i had before and we ran into each other and he thought like he was speaking um uh he was speaking uh what's it called uh swahili with some people around him he was like oh sorry i was like oh i don't know what you're saying right he's like what i thought this entire time you spoke swahili i was like no i don't he's like i heard you tell somebody that you were half congolese and i heard you speak swahili to them i was like no you know i just you know i i learned like a few phrases and a few languages <laughs> so i you know i don't he was like oh my gosh you know but yeah i do that sometimes um <laughs> but you know i am proud of my mixedness um i am proud of who i am you know i am i am both haitian and i'm french but you know uh when i go to france uh, or when i'm around french people from france they don't claim me so it's not it's not really the right. first thing that i'm i'm gonna you know i identify with uh but you know it, it is part of who i am and uh but you know i, I yeah. definitely say like i'm haitian above anything else um and i think a lot yeah. of us have that experience where one at least one of our ethnic groups does celebrate us a little bit more or absorb yeah. us a little bit more it's usually yeah. the the of color version if we are mixed with white um mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like that is that's probably our our universal truth as, mm-hmm. as race people that, yeah. you know, we will be absorbed by the yeah. the of color side of us. Um, and it's beautiful. Like we and we're it just is. a different part of their story. Right. So now yeah. you're just another part of the Haitian experience. And, yeah. you know, I mean, historically, I'm sure there are tons of mixed Haitians because of mm-hmm. colonialism and, and oh. things like that, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And what I don't know how accurate this is. No, one, uh, I remember reading though that Alexandre Dumas the dude who wrote um, The Three Musketeers I think he was part Haitian too but yeah. no one I, I do believe that is the it. case yeah. mm-hmm. it's the same like there's um, I mean, in our, in our case Alexander Hamilton he was also born in the West Indies and it's I think that his father was British but his mother was where was he from now now I'm, 
now I'm spacing on what island he came from. But same type of thing. Like, I think historically we actually had leaders or affluent people that were mixed race. Um, yeah. And it, whether it's through ignorance that they were allowed to pass because, mm-hmm. you know, they probably did look like you. But because, you know, back then there weren't a whole lot of mixed people yet. It was like, well, you can't be black if you're you just must be a dark white. Well, I guess there would be your dark skinned <laughs> white people. <laughs> <laughs> like a really tan, a really tan, right. um, really tan white person. Like you must have spent some time on the islands. You're so tan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I think I think we have a lot more historical people of mixed race people of affluence that that where their mixed identity is is erased. And I hope that that is something that we can do with this show is you know give that voice mm-hmm. to mixed race people and put our stamp on the world and on history to say like look we we have yeah. been here and we have been mixed. Yeah, you know for all these yeah. generations. We're here. Um, also, a couple a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Don't know if you're if you want to include them uh, in the the final cut or not. But um, I like the the whole like this is about my parents because you know um, they have a lot of influence on me still <laughs> in my life. But just remembering like things when I was like growing up. But this, the whole like you know my mom being black and my dad being white. Sometimes feeling like black people or especially black men feeling like they're like entitled to my mom, um, mm. even though she is married <laughs> and has children. Like we've had. I remember this. We've had like people come in to like fix stuff. My dad's like not a, a very super like handy person. So he, he wouldn't have fixed anything like around the house himself. Um, but whenever I remember, I don't even remember what we were getting fixed, like maybe like a computer or something, but someone came into the house and they were black, probably Caribbean or something. And they were just like flirting heavily with my mom, with like my dad, like right there, just like not caring. And I've also had like comments from people like, oh, has your dad ever felt threatened that your mom was going to leave him for like a black man? Because, you know, black men are just like um, manlier or something like, I don't know, but just stuff like that. And, um, is that uh, also like, other, other Caribbean men? Cause you, you, we hear, I don't know if it's true, but we hear that like the Caribbean men tend to be, you know, like super high level machismo alpha male. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. that sense of entitlement to, to women is laced into the culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like for the most part, like always been like Caribbean, Caribbean men. And I do remember, um, a while back we had a, uh, cousin come for Christmas I think this was maybe two Christmases ago um, a cousin come to spend Christmas with us and this is a cousin we I'd never met before because they were born in Haiti and they'd only been in Canada for a few years and they came here and he asked he asked my mom in Creole and maybe they assumed that like the rest of us didn't understand but I was just sitting there really uncomfortable because I understood what he was saying and it's like you're in my house but he was telling my mom like you're such like a beautiful woman you know you work so hard da 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 why are you married to this guy over here you can do so much better da, 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 da. and it's like my mom just like smiled uncomfortably like this is a cousin of hers you know she can't maybe she felt like she couldn't say anything but I was sitting there like this is like really like not an appropriate thing to say I don't know I don't know if there's anything I, I, I'm guessing it has something to do with race because I feel like it, if my dad were black would they or a Haitian would they have said that but then like later on you know as as dinner went on you know there he's like conversing with my dad because my dad's like really smart and really knowledgeable about like politics and stuff and they're having a grand old time talking I'm like oh well I guess my dad isn't so bad now after all mm. but but yeah just like just stuff like that that's always bothered me or when we're out um I remember uh an aunt of mine her husband um had a has a really like good job um so he makes a lot of money um but 
he came from Haiti and he took us all out to dinner um, and we were having dinner. So everyone is black, right? And then me and my siblings were a mix, but you know, black looking. And then my dad is there, the only white man on the table. And then at the end of the dinner, the waitress just hands my dad the check, like automatically, even though he's not the one who asked for the check, you know, oh, just damn. like little, yeah, just like little things that, like that, that you notice where it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it just tells you like how the world, the world thinks and it's kind of unfortunate, but uh, yeah. 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 Or like, or like little things where like, I don't look like my dad. So sometimes I, I now that I'm an adult, you know, um, I'm out with him, I'm, you know, like talking to him and then I get looks like, why is this, you know, brown girl, like talking to this old white man, you know, mm. but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Assumptions that people make in situations like that are pretty gross. Yeah. Um, so you don't even resemble him a little bit, even in features. Um, I look more like my mom. I mean, my dad and I both wear glasses, but um, physically, I do look more like my mom. My younger siblings look more like my dad, like their facial features. And they're also both lighter than I am, mm-hmm. even though they're both like, um, you know, like light skinned black. But they, they register as more like Latino than I do. Um, um, I'm definitely darker than they are by a little bit. But yeah, no, I don't look that much like him. I mean, if you look closely and you know us, I guess you could probably see a difference. But at first glance, I wouldn't say so. Um, yeah, he's, you know, his skin is, you know, just like white, I guess. And I'm just like brown. Yeah. So. Uh, that's always something that's interesting to me, just like not on a necessarily a mixed race level, but just on a genetics level. Like my face is basically my dad's face, except mm. my eyes are more almondy, you know, mm-hmm. mixed yeah. Asian looking. Um, and and I my full brother and I don't resemble as siblings, like si- standing side by side. We mm-hmm. actually don't even look like the same race, to be honest. Um, we he's slightly darker than me, but he he looks like like I always say that in terms of famous people I guess he looks like Sean Lennon which is the the son of Yoko Ono and uh, John Lennon like he Mm kind of has that sort of look where he's kind of ambiguously white but slightly darker you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. that's how my brother my brother looks my full brother and then I have some half siblings my father has kids um, with you know wife after my mom and um, they're Mexican Swiss Italian their mother Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. they're black British Caucasian British and then Mexican Swiss Italian and my half sister when she was born looked she didn't look like anybody but when she kind of like cleared out a little bit like after she got like three or four months old and she started to look like Mm -hmm. she was going to look like she basically had my face except for she's white looking (laughs) green eyed with blonde hair Um, and so like throughout her childhood when I've seen photos of her I don't know her but throughout her childhood when I've seen photos of her she looks like I looked at those ages Um, like I never saw her again after she was four years old so I um, I, but I see her on social media and stuff like that and I'm like oh my god I look like that at that age I look like that at that age except for she's like a white blonde version of me, uh, which was really weird. And then the half the half brother, he looks Mexican, or at least to me. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks actually. He and I look similar. I think. It, I think if all four of us were standing side by side, people would probably assume he and I were siblings mm-hmm. uh, because I think we resemble quite a bit. And he's darker skin too, you know. So um, I think we resemble quite a bit. And we have s- same lips and noses and stuff like that that look like my dad. But then my my full brother, the one that I should look the most like, he looks more <laughs> white to me than he's mm-hmm. just darker skinned than I am. But he looks more white to me than um, than at least like it seems like I got even though I didn't get the skin color I got the black side I mean yeah. built like the women on my dad's side of the family and mm-hmm. my dad my brother is is tall and skinny like my father but he's um yeah he just he took way more after the white side mm. than we did um, so I'm just interested in sort of how genetics kind of make us look you know you hear that we tend to look like our fathers so that our fathers will bond with us and stay <laughs> yeah um, but you know obviously that doesn't always 
always happens. Somebody's got to look like their mom at some point. And um, yeah. I think it's, int- I, I just think it's interesting that we come out all these different ways. Like even just amongst my four siblings, if we were raised together would you know, only two of us, two and two. Um, but if we were actually a family, we wouldn't look like no one would be able to figure out what, who we were, like what mm-hmm. we were to each other because of how different we look. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's 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 it is interesting for sure because my brother and my sister look like each other and their facial features are more like my dad. But um, I've gotten comments where like because facially I look more like my mom and I'm also like slightly darker than them. Mm. But but we both uh, I mean not both all three of us have like curly hair and like similar skin tones. I'm just like a couple shades darker. Yeah. Uh, but um, I've gotten comments where like people are, people are like oh you're you're you know they see pictures of my sister or my brother and they say oh they took more after the the black side. But it's funny because they they look like my dad but people assume that they took after the black side because their lips are um are really full mm-hmm. and but my my dad's lips are full and that's probably from his algerian side mm. but you know you know but they look like my dad and i'm the one who looks like my mom but people tell me oh you look more white than your siblings do like in the face even though <laughs> you're darker and it's like uh well actually um, <laughs> that's funny uh, yeah so genetics are funny in that way yeah we sort of color the colorism stuff we definitely covered the, the just the inappropriateness that people People are towards you know your parents relationship and 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 you that kind of stuff we definitely got through um, yeah the certainly the the stuff about like checking the boxes that we mm-hmm. had in the states was was interesting I think we covered a lot of good stuff uh, we did get a little bit into the dating stuff even even where you know you're concerned so and that was something yeah. you mentioned before before we wrap mm-hmm. up though is there anything that you want to you want to say before we leave uh yeah so um for anyone out there who thinks that um you know light-skinned people and mixed people are just like you know kind of mean or stuck up that's not always the case and I know that Drake is from Canada like me and he's mixed like me but that doesn't mean we're all in our feelings <laughs> all the time uh, so so yeah um, you know um, we're people too okay. <laughs> um, you know we, we didn't ask to, to, to be treated this way and uh, you know all people are just people so let's just be kind to each other guys right and understanding yeah alright well thank you so much for joining me I do appreciate that you reached out I know that when you first reached out you were like I thought about it but I didn't do it and and you heard me beg on on the show to please contact me so I do appreciate that you came through for that and sharing your story and your family's story with us Um, if you ever want to come back please feel free I would I would love to connect back with you as well and all right all right well yeah all right perfect I'm glad I did and it was great talking to you it was a lot of fun Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Johnson. Music is by David Bogan, the one. And if you like what you heard on Militantly Mix, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and wherever you find your podcasts. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.